now reflecting on the posture, the breath, the, the mood, the state of mind that you're experiencing in this moment. It's uh, foundations of mindfulness being bringing attention to the way it is uh, at the present moment, here and now, Pachubanantama. <clears throat> so in the morning, like morning puja, morning chanting, it's always this way of uh, it's a monastic form, the core walk, the, the uh, tradition and so forth is, <clears throat> you know, is a routine or a way of living to reflect on the way it is, not on the way, you know, to, not to see it in terms of liking or disliking, but being the observer. Puto, tammo sanko. So that's like the, the most obvious fact of this moment is, you know, even to the most uninitiated individual in this room is that your body is here and now, your physical body is like this, sitting on the mat is like this. And so that, that's, uh, you know, because it's a heavy condition, it's, it is here and now, it's not, we're not, uh, you know, Criticizing the, or the way you know the way you're sitting, or uh, you know if you start making a problem about sitting, but that's not it. It's not to get perfect full lotus posture, strive endlessly to perfect sitting, but to use sitting as an object, a foundation for mindfulness. Sitting, standing, walking, lying down, and then the breath, the anapanasati obvious, the reality of the body breathing. Now, he's talking about the body and the breath, not my body and my breath. When it becomes, you know, I start claiming it, it becomes very personal. Do I look good sitting? Am I sitting properly? Does, uh, you know, then, the, then I have an ideal, maybe an ideal of perfect posture. Maybe those of you sitting on a chair feel you can't really it's, it's not as good as sitting on the floor, whatever. You know, your personal reactions to this perception of sitting, you know, is like this. But it's not the point of, of uh, identifying or judging, but observing the way it is, is like this. And then recognize that you're, there's the observing the body so you can even, you know, different parts of it. Where, where are your feet right now? And then and just by, by thinking feet, you know, then you, you can, you're aware of, uh, they're in the consciousness. Right foot, left foot, right hand, left hand. And so the, the way of reflecting on the body is, you see, it's impersonal, <clears throat> it's not judgmental, critical, this is anatta, the observing of the body is, is non-self, it's not me doing it, or you, but it's awareness, consciousness, and then using the body as a foundation for mindfulness, because it is a condition here and now. And then the four postures are, you know, the kind of common movements, way we move throughout a day and night, we're either sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. Nothing special, nothing, uh, you know, greatly complicated, just uh, being able to do it. When you, when you contemplate the posture, you know, when you're just mindful of it, then it, it is, a, your relationship to the body is one of knowing rather than identifying with it.
And in the breathing, being aware of, say, you're inhaling, exhaling at the nostrils, where you feel the breath, your body, it's, it's nature's to breathe. It's not, it's not about personal ability to breathe, is it? It's just physiology. It's natural. Whether, you know, you're happy, sad, or whatever, the body carries on its duties to breathe like this. And these are kind of like foundations of mindfulness. They're, they're bringing your attention to, to, you know, the awareness of the here and now. The conditions as they happen to manifest in consciousness here and now. Before it becomes my body, my breathing, and then it be, then we start, you know, uh, proliferating, judging, claiming, comparing. <clears throat> now then also, say the Jitanupasana, Saripatana, the foundation of Jitta, the, the, the mood, the emotional quality, the state of mind that, that you can witness is the same. It's like, rather than claiming it as some kind of personal, in a personal way, you're observing it. The state of mind is peaceful or sleepy, dull, bright, depressed, confused, angry, whatever. It's, it's not then, then it gets, you know, these are kind of ways of describing maybe the, the erratic, changing emotional conditions that human beings have to live with. But it's the mindfulness of it changes <clears throat> the perspective from the, the me and mine, the personal identity with emotions to being the awareness of them, like objects, the Ramana, the mood, the emotion, happiness, misery, dullness, or whatever, the quality uh, that is observed in the present, it's a foundation for mindfulness. So awareness of it rather than the judgment, the identity, the resistance, the rejection that we tend to do when, we, when we're not mindful, <clears throat> when we're caught in the grasping our emotions. See, so this identity, isn't it? You say identity, and then we have this language where we, we you know, identity, my body, my breath, my feelings, and, and this, these pronouns, personal pronouns, possessive pronouns. Grammar, isn't it? It's English grammar. This isn't, you know, it, it's not natural. It's not, you're not born with uh, thinking I am this little baby. That is, a, you know, that's a conception we create when you're born into an English-speaking mother and father, then these are the the la this is the language you learn, or whatever, uh, you know, your ethnic background is, it's the same thing. It's, it's uh, the creation out of ignorance, human beings' ability to create forms and conditions and then attach to them, be obsessed with the very creations that we make, no matter how deluded or silly or foolish they might be, or intelligent or reasonable or the qualities vary. It's not about being <clears throat> reasonable, logical, rational, sensible, because emotions generally are not reasonable. Their natures to be like this, they're feeling. And then we attach to them, identify with them, judge them. So then the Sakyaditi Silabhata Baramasa arises. Uh, and these, these three, first three fetters uh, are the, you know, the 
that which binds us to to this samsaric conditioning. Now, when there's pure awareness, like as I experienced through sound of silence, then the the tendency to get proliferate, you know, my feelings, what I think, and my and that it drops away, it stops. There's awareness, attention, here and now, but there's not a self in it. It's just like this empty, aware, alert. <clears throat> So learning to <clears throat> to recognize that it's kind of a poise, a kind of a equanimous poise, a stillness that's recognizable. Here and now it's not a it's not created out of conditions, it's just recognized. Like the body is the most obvious fact of the here and now, isn't it? This, heavy, it weighs something that uh, is very strong, it has senses, it feels heat or cold, pleasure, pain, pressure. So the body is, is you know, the, the coarse foundation, it's the most obvious one of this moment. And then the breath, the state of mind, Feeling vedanupasana, the observing of of heat or cold or pleasurable, neutral, painful sensations that your body that you recognize while sitting, or the state of mind you're in, just the, the observer, the puto recognizing that you need the mood is like this. So this uh, this Buddha Dhamma Sangha, you know, this is a this is a Theravada convention. But in you know, it's really skillful use of it because we take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, not in personalities and opinions, views, uh, or any conditions. They're not they're not they're conventions in themselves, but they're impersonal. Bhutto Bhutang Sarnangachami is not about me. You know, it's not a possession and not a, a kind of identity that I have. It's something, it's a, it's a reminder to be this awareness, this puto here and now, rather than this person uh, reacting to the various uh, karmic conditions that I'm personally experiencing at this moment. So this, you know, this the way the Pali structure works in the suttas, and that is, it's a, it's a very skillful conventional form. It's not about becoming or or grasping Buddhism, Buddhist teachings, or uh, doctrines or anything like that. But they're they're mere, they're expedient conventions for reflection, helping us to really. See beyond our own personal obsessions and uh, and uh, fears and strong habits of clinging and identity with with the conditioning process, cultural conditioning, social attitudes, the conventions that we're that we cling to, identify with, that the whole society we live in is is obsessed with is is bound into these various like cultural identities, class identities, gender identities, sexual identities. People are obsessed with their sexuality or their views, their political views, or their own particular ethnic identities. So it's, uh, I've been reading about the uh, Balkans war in the 90s, you know, that the Yugoslavia kind of breaking up into these uh, strong ethnic uh, hatreds of Croats and Serbs and Muslims just in butchering each other in the most atrocious way. Over what? What is that about? Is that, that's not from 
sati panya or dhamma, it's karmic tendencies, identity, clinging with with some kind of ethnic uh, identity or political positioning or racial positioning, gender positioning, religious, you know, like uh, the, the, the way they wanted to uh, get destroy the, the Muslims in Bosnia and the attempts to, for genocide, to destroy that group, that tribe, that minority that you, you're, you're conditioned to see as the enemy, dislike and hate. It's all about conditioning. And we all have it, you know, to varying degrees, you know, part, our own cultural preferences. It's part of the, you know, the uh, cultural conditioning that one inevitably gets through the, through the parental attitudes, social identities. Now, the awareness of that See, it's not saying that there's anything wrong with with social identities, but the awareness of identity with a with a with a convention, a condition, is like this. And I have to say, I am. I am a Theravadan Buddhist monk. You know, so conventionally that works, you know, that's on the conventional level, fair enough. But if I'm heedless and it's, it's my, it becomes Sakyaditi, then I am a Theravadan Buddhist monk. And then I align myself with all the Theravada identities and the, and the attitudes that Theravadan, uh, you know, as it's developed, over the years, the uh, prejudices, attitudes that come from that identity that have nothing to do with mindfulness but merely the grasping of a convention, even though it's a very good convention, it is conventional, meaning it's a created condition, born, created, formed condition. So this, this uh, sakyaditi then is, uh, is the conditioning of identification, my way, my thought, my body, my opinion, my culture, my class, my race. So this is, this observing of this then is puto, knowing, dum, tammo, the way it is. Like the, the, all conditions are impermanent. That's seen all conditioned phenomena in terms of Dhamma, the way it is, rather than in terms of better, uh, good, better, best, bad, worse, worst, right and wrong. So Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, Sangha then is Supatipano, Ujupatipano. This is about Patibhat, isn't it? About practice. It's, uh, you know, who's practicing in the right, doing it, you know, cultivating awareness. So that's, you know, what we're doing as individuals here, cultivating bhavana. But it's not about, you know, me, Ajahn Sumato anymore, but observing that tendency, that reference, that attachment to to my name, to my... Uh, you know, views or opinions, attitudes, emotions that that arise, they come and go according to other conditions. So these four foundations of mindfulness, like Gayanupasana Saripatana, Vedananupasana Saripatana, Jitanupasana Saripatana, Tamanupasana Saripatana. Their, their foundations, uh, here and now, the foundation is not, you don't create it, you know, you're not creating a foundation, some kind of ephemeral condition that you operate from, but paying attention, <clears throat> reflecting on the obvious 
realities, experiences of this very moment, like the posture, the breath, state of mind. And then <clears throat> the Manupasana, <clears throat> we have these like Four Noble Truths, dependent origination, uh, the, 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 the ten fetters, the four stages, uh, the indriyas, and all the rest are ways of contemplating, examining, investigating. They're tools to use. So we're, we're seeing all these, our feelings, our bodies, our, uh, in, uh, the conditions that we're, that we identify with, we're seeing them as in terms of the way they are, the Dhamma, the reality of the way they are, rather than in terms of cultural uh, biases, preferences, personal attitudes. So here we're all, we all take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha. That's nothing about even the convention, the lay people, the monks and nuns, you know, it's, a, it's the same refuge, isn't it? It's Buddha Dhamma Sangha. It's not about uh, uh, on the conven our position in the conventional structure. So that is uh, that is uh, the, just notice that that is, you know, when you give the five precepts or whatever, you lay people they, they I take the three refuges and the five precepts. And that can be just, uh, you know, ceremonial function that you do. You come to a monastery. It can be, you know, an empty structure or even a superstition. You know, I've got to take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha because that's the right thing to do and it's wrong if I don't do it. And that's still full of Sakya Ditti, isn't it? Sila Bhattabharamasa. Wittikicca, or doubt. I feel very, if I don't take the three refuges when I go to the monastery, I feel very confused and frightened about, you know, I'm not protected anymore. I'm open to various evil influences. We can interpret our experience like that. Highly personal, individual, through fear, through attachment, through superstition. <clears throat> but in themselves, they're not meant to be uh, seen on that level. They're very profound, the refuges in Buddha Dhamma Sangha. Reminders, they're skillful means to, to the, my refuges in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, not in what I think or my, my personal feelings or cultural identities or my own emotional tendencies. But then the attachment to the form itself is, is not, <laughs> and it's probably, you know, a, a, you know, a good attachment. Attachment doesn't mean it's necessarily bad, but attachment out of ignorance is the avita and ubanana. There's just, you know, that is, uh, that what's what's about rebirth isn't it about being born again having to continually kind of move through birth and death through being a helpless victim of uh, changing conditions we never learn from it we just merely get caught into this vortex whirling vortex samsara and then, of course, we, we experience the suffering, the loneliness, the loss, the fear. That is, that is the very essence of this realm of samsara. Fear, death. You know, if there's no birth, there's no death. So people usually, you know, in every culture there's this fear of death. Death is a, this ominous experience in the future. And when it does happen, when somebody, you know, our parents die or somebody, the closer they are to us, the more, you know, we, you know, it, it, it registers in our consciousness that, that we're going to lose everything in the end. All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. Then take, for example, the law of karma. 
that in the West we don't really haven't developed this this law of karma as our cultural as a cultural attitude and uh, where in uh, in like in, in uh, Buddhist countries in Sri Lanka or Thailand Burma the law of karma is kind of basic to their whole cultural attitudes you know so you if you do good you get a good result do bad get a bad result the means and the end you know if you have a if you want a good end you have to use a good means if you want peace as a result then you have to use peaceful means where we can think you can use violent means to get a peaceful result we think waging war killing off Saddam Hussein and that Violent means will bring peace to Iraq. The assumption that it's all right to to commit violent acts if it's for a good end. So the end justifies the means. Or the law of karma, you know, the the means and the end. You have to use the the, the mean, peaceful means to get a peaceful end. And so, you know, apply this to yourself. If you're, you know, if you're using uh, self-criticism and that is, uh, that's a, a kind of violent attitude of, you know, of self-criticism, blame, and that as your means to practice, you'll get that kind of an end. You just end up being doubtful and critical. So this uh, attitude of trying to you know, positive thinking or attachment to the good, uh, and, and and but without wisdom, without understanding it, the good and attachment, we might try to be become very good individuals, but still not really observe the result of even being a good person is lonely is. You know, we suffer a lot because we we want to be recognized. You know, some people don't recognize my goodness and then I feel hurt or betrayed or unhappy because I'm trying to be very good and then I get blamed for for being bad. And it's not fair. So this, this uh, attachment out of ignorance to conditioned phenomena, even at its best, is still unsatisfying, unsatisfactory and it brings about rebirth cause and effect so the law of karma you know like the monastic form here is uh, this is this is a condition, convention, a condition but it's not for rebirth it's not about becoming a samana to, for a better rebirth but it's merely an expedient means to observe to reflect on the law of karma, like in your your own life here, if you you know the what means you use towards meditation, you know if you're using a kind of willful forcing attitude of trying to get rid of bad thoughts and and get something you don't have, that's a you know the karma of that. Will, will lead to disappointment. You'll be disappointed. You'll, it'll increase the sense of your, maybe your own self-criticism. I'm, I don't have enough barami. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. Uh, because every attempt with all your willfulness, you know, you seem to fail at it. So that, that it's a, it's a, you know, the law of karma then is for us, as samanas, is to mindfulness, reflectiveness, and karma is about conditioning. So our relationship to conditions is is not through identity uh, or attachment, but through observing, through mindfulness. And that's the unconditioned. It's the unconditioned where we have perspective on the conditions.
whatever the conditions might be. Then in terms of relating to life as a human individual is, you know, the, the, mor the moral, the, the dana sila, generosity, morality, the Brahma Viharas, Metta Karuna Mudita Upeka. Now that which in the, in the society is blessing it. The blessings operate through these forms. It's not personal anymore. It's not, you know, me uh, claiming I'm blessing, I'm a blessing to the world. That would, you know, that would be sakyaditi. But through letting go of the illusions and seeing the suffering through attachment, then human forms, human individuals, you know, the, the blessings can flow through us. We're, we're merely vehicles for blessing, not, not becoming persons that, people that bless things. Because like, say, my experience of Ajahn Chah, he was, he was a blessing. Blessings operated through him. It wasn't, you know, him personally. But the, the illusions, uh, the delusions, the ignorance weren't there so that that particular form, that individual form was a field of blessing, field of merit. So we're, you know, we're, uh, Amravati is a result of that, of Lungpacha. Not as a person, a personality, a special individual. We can, you know, create him into, into a, a personality, my teacher, and all that kind of thing. But that's not it. It's not about, you know, he's a special person. But Lungpacha actually practiced refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, where the, the personal tendencies, his karmic uh, inheritance, and so forth, was seen and recognized rather than grasped or rejected. Or the Buddha, say the, the Gotama the Buddha, Sakyamuni Buddha. That's more legend. Like Ajahn Chah is actually, you know, somebody, you know, that I knew, lived with. So it's a powerful impression, isn't it? Because it isn't like ancient 2,500 years ago in India. It could be just myth and legend. You know, in terms of, you know, the, the stories attributed to, <clears throat> to that individual that, that have survived up to this present time can make him sound like a, you know, a, a magician or a, you know, we see it in ter personal terms of a kind of a perfected individual or maybe he was a deity a higher form of human being or whatever way we, we want to conceive the Buddha the conditions we create around that but the teaching of the Buddha the, the, you know this teaching that we have this survived through time in the suttas the scriptures is that it's it's about, it's a conventional teachings for bhati-bhata, practice, not for identity, not for becoming, but for reflecting, observing, to, to see for ourselves the suffering, the dukkha we create out of being heedless, being self-centered, being uh, helplessly bound and deluded by the condition that we that we experience so we're also you know <clears throat> receiving the this um, the blessings from you know the the buddha that has managed you know we're still benefiting from that field of merit but it wasn't about his personality or him as a specially anointed savior, but it, you know, it's a he did establish this convention for liberation, not for attachment. 
So, you know, this, this field of blessings is, what is that? What is a blessing? Is it, can I bless me as a person? It tends to, you know, my personality operates in a way that, that I don't think I, I'm a blessing to anybody. You know, my, my conditioned sense of self, I can't conceive myself as a person being a blessing to anything. Because the tendency is a self-critical one. I'm not tending towards megalomania or, you know, uh, hyperbolic attitudes about my sp- special nature. The personality, the Sakya Ditti that I experience is, is a kind of nagging, critical attitude towards myself. So when I try to think of myself on the personal level as some kind of blessing, it makes me, it embarrasses me when people can project onto me as a person that I'm some kind of blessing. It embarrasses me personally. That's how the reaction I have. Because that's, uh, you know, the Sakya Ditti operates like that. And we all have different personalities, different, you know, problems in our own personal sense of our personal worth or self-respect or whatever. But just uh, confiding in you, that, you know, the, how my personality works, I'm aware of it. It's a tyrannical personality, the internal, I'm not, you know, I don't tend to be so, you know, critical or judgmental of you as I'm of, of myself. Now this is just karmic conditioning or it is karmic inheritance. Where did it, my parents were, were not kind of terribly critical of me. You know, they weren't tyrannical, nagging, uh, nasty parents that, that dumped a kind of negative personality tendency on me. It's just this is what happened, the way it developed. So it's, you can say it's karmic, the way it is. Then the, then the uh, awareness of it. This is the liberating teaching, isn't it? Awareness of the personality. What a relief to, to have this escape hatch out of that tyrannical personal tendencies to this awareness of that, which is no longer judging, but recognizing uh, the Sakya Ditti, Sila Bhattabharamasa, which the doubting uh, that results from attachment to thinking, which Ikita, doubt. So then, you know, I remember when, you know, this um, water sprinkling ceremony and the, you know, and people uh, want me to bless them, you know, the chant a blessing or sprinkle water on them, things like that. <laughs> on a personal level, I remember people ask me to bless them, you know, if I take that personally, I become almost cynical about it. You know, if I think uh, I, as a person, am blessing somebody, I just, it's a, you know, I feel this kind of sinner, cynical attitude, or, you know, I do it, but it's, it's a, if it's coming out of my personality, it's more or less because it's part, you know, the tradition, this make people happy, cheer them up, jolly them up, and, and, and then it's seen in kind of, but doubting whether it really exists. Am I really blessing anybody or are we just playing a game? Or just, you know, going along with a, with a superstition or an illusion. So then in, through this investigation, you know, this, then, because, you know, it becomes insight into recognizing if you get yourself out of the way, you know, if you can really see the, the way things bind us and block us and, and distort our lives, our consciousness, and you really 
know this and see the, the pain, the misery that we create through ignorance, not understanding Dhamma, then we let go of the causes. Then, then these forms, these human forms, are no longer, you know, persons, but they're conduits for blessings. You know, contemplate this. I'm not asking you to believe this, but contemplate this, that not as a personal, am I a blessing or that, but it makes, seems quite clear to me that the human form, we can be demonic, we can be destructive, evil uh, creatures that destroy the planet and slaughter people, torture and mutilate, and and uh, you know we can destroy the world. We've got kind of enough nuclear warheads to destroy everything, kill everybody on the planet. See, that's the worst, you know, the demonic one. But also, in this sense of using the Buddhist convention, the Theravada convention, mindfulness, the teachings, always pointing, you know, the, 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 this, this sense of the deathless, amata dhamma, reality itself, dhamma, what is true, real, not just created through ignorance and greed, desire, fear, and so forth. If I operate through fear, then, then my relationship to you is going to, uh, you know, spread out from fear. You're going to pick it up, aren't you? Even, you know, you can tell when somebody's frightened of you. So, you, you know, you, if, I'm, if I'm my basic reaction to life is fear and then it then this is the this is the what I spread around me the atmosphere I create around me or greed or selfishness or anxiety you know because we do affect each other with sensitive forms so if we're ignorant and and frightened then this is the 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 kind of vibration that emanates from the existence of this particular form at this time. But if one empties that non-attachment, that's Buddha Dhamma Sangha, non it's anatta, non-personal, then these human forms are conduits for blessings. So today is the Gratitude to Parents Day, Sunday, and uh, this is a, a sense of Gatanyu Gatavaiti, you know, think of the Buddha, or Lumpur Cha, Ajahn Man, or all the Arahants, the, the beings that have, that have Broken through illusion, whose whose actual uh, you know life human form was a conduit for blessing rather than some kind of personal attainment. So, in, in performing ceremonies, and that the attitude of emptiness, you know, so in blessing is you know. Not to, to, to think of it in personal terms, but to empty the mind, to be this inner stillness itself. Not, it's not me, a person, blessing anybody. Then our lives here at Amravati, in this country, in this society, it's blessing it, you know, not personally blessing it, but we're, we're letting go of the obstructions that create endless problems, difficulties, and increase the the complicated uh, tendencies and and problems of this society or this community. We're not trying to you know literally project onto it or or make it into something we want or endlessly fussing with the convention, but using the convention 
until this this uh, insight, this profound insight of non-attachment is is fully appreciated, integrated into our lives as individuals. The society we live in is complicated enough without us creating more complicated. <laughs> the modern life in Europe is, you know, it's all over the place. Nobody agrees, you know, everybody's got their views and opinions and ideas. <clears throat> so, see, the, the Sangha's function in this society is, you know, is for, you know, giving, taking this opportunity to see, to really cultivate this way to, to where we, you know, we really see it for ourselves. We're not, you know, me, Ajahn Sumedho, trying to, to uh, be a good citizen or a blessing to, to Britain. You know, not, it's not a personal thing. It's not a mission I have. You know, I'm not on a mission to try to, to uh, be a blessing to anything, but it's through reflecting in this way, then we begin to see the, 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 the goodness, the beauty of our humanity. You can recognize, but you have to realize it from this point, not as some kind of beautiful philosophical idea anymore, or some kind of altruistic, uh, you know, sense of the ultimate goodness of humanity, uh, putting it in kind of inspired terms, but but realizing, recognizing Dhamma, and then these empty forms, these conduits, what happens through them is is no longer from personal uh, views, opinions, or anxieties, fears, delusions. So, uh, gratitude to parents, also this sense of gratitude. And uh, even if, even if you, you know, your parents weren't very good, just think of just this, you know, we, we tend to be critical of our parents in modern life. It's the way where our culture operates, we blame our parents for our misery. And even if there is justified reason to think so, you had terrible parents. <laughs> but but uh, also, this sense of gratitude is that right now, sitting here, we have this opportunity through having been born, and the parents were the, you know, it's through them that we are actually born as a human being. And now we practice the Dhamma. So this it's not about trying to pretend, you know, that you really love your parents uh, despite all the, the misery they might have caused you. It's not that. It's not trying to be nice or play games, but it's a, a sense, a, a profound sense of gratitude to have this occasion to hear and practice the Dhamma. Because it's rare, isn't it? It's not, you know, how many people how many human beings on the planet have ever heard the Dhamma or had an opportunity to practice it? Or just in this country, you know, in, in the UK, how many have, you know, have had even opportunity or even heard of it or understood it in any meaningful way? So, Katanyu, or gratitude is, uh, like William Blake says, is heaven itself. Gratitude is heaven itself. So this is a reflection on Kitanyu Gataway to your gratitude because for the Samana life this is this this brings us a, a, gives us a a strength, a foundation of gratitude rather than uh, you know, the personal sense of uh where we just you know, critical and want that something we don't have or not wanting things to be the way they are. Then uh, some of the life is about contentment with little, the four requisites, you know, that we, we put ourselves right out on the edge, isn't it, of 
of this uh, depending on others for the basic necessities. Survival, food, shelter, clothing, medicine. So this is, you know, contentment, gratitude and contentment, the holy life, the blessing operate through these forms. And gratitude and contentment are the kind of foundations of that. So, the, you know, from my own experience, the gratitude really was powerful when I, after my sixth Vasa, you know, when I started, when I was in India, I recited this story many times of the sense of Gatanyu arose toward Dung Po Cha, toward Thailand, the sense of, you know, the, you know, the sense of real gratitude, heartfelt thing, you know, Not just thanks, Lung Pa, for the meditation lessons kind of thing. The real kind of fullness of being. And then the, then the, uh, then from then on, you know, up to then my practice was mainly very self-centered. You know, it's like me getting my samadhi and me, you know, there's an obsession with myself trying to, to get something, get enlightened. <clears throat> so after six Vasa, and it was in India, this Gatanyu was like a, a opening of the heart. It was operating not, no longer from my ego, willful tendencies to, to get something and become something, but this sense of inner, inner joy of gratitude and appreciation for the that which has been offered and given to me. So, in here at Amravati, where, you know, we have a lot, the gratitude of, because the four requisites are abundant, the occasion, the shelter, the robes, the food, the medicine, is offered in abundance. And then towards our parents, in fact, we wouldn't be here if, we, if our parents without them. So the sense of gratitude, and then to Buddha, to Lung Po Cha, to all the human individuals that have uh, uh, influenced you or helped you or pointed the direction for you, that have encouraged you toward liberation, freedom. <clears throat> 